Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I don't like blood. Welcome to With Gorley and Rust. Paul came in this morning and says, no one is allowed to speak my name but me. That was the condition of the possession. <laughs> okay, I'm going to stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs> this is With Gorley and Rust, the podcast where we talk Ooh. at length in an easy listening yes. manner about thrillers, horrors, and beyond. Do you don't want to know how easy listening this is, guys? We got two steamy cups of hot brown yeah. right now before us with a golly an 11:50 a.m. sunlight coming yeah. through on a cloudy day yeah uh, hey, break out the, the blankets and the cardigans, guys. We're getting cozy. Absolutely. And if you're a new listener to this show, hot brown equals coffee. Yeah, how non-cozy would that be if somebody's like, they're drinking shit? <laughs> Warm they're drinking shit. boiled diarrhea? Hey. Fresh. Ooh. <laughs> Listen, you can learn more by going to uh, patreon.com slash with and Rust, where we have feature-length film commentaries, mm-hmm. mailbag episodes, mm-hmm. all kinds of bonus content depending on what level you subscribe yeah. at, including... Vidbits, which a new we, vid bit. we just put up a new vid bit, which was us making some hot brand. <laughs> yes. So if you saw the vid bit, it's kind of the prequel that was made at the same right. time like that. Um, do you remember that Get Smart sidequel that was made that was like direct to the naked bomb? Uh, no. I mean, the new bomb? The, the, the Steve Carell. Oh, yes. Anne Hathaway. Oh, right. It was like Jim and Lloyd fight. Back, and it was like the two office characters <gasps> who were there. It was when the oh, DVD market right. was like so exploding. You could just like, who were the actors? Um, I know them by uh, they're they're working character actors. I just yeah, no worries. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm blanking on their Don't names. Don't worry about it. But uh, we will cover that yes, next that, episode. That's, that's we're going to take a divergent episode and yeah. cover Jim and Lloyd Strike Back. We won't do the vanishing <laughs> next week. We're going to do this made up Jim and Lloyd. <laughs> Uh, uh, anyway, uh, tabs open. Yeah. Uh, so we were doing a vid bit mm-hmm. uh, for the Patreon, and we talked about our friend uh, uh, or a trustee, 
listener, uh, Jim Miller, who sent us some amazing artwork. Truly his. amazing. Big Jim Miller. So check him out. Big and Jim. then check out the vidbit, too, because we show the artwork. That's right. And yeah. it is... Uh, uh, literally uh, uh, breathtaking. I it's think there a were a treat. couple times where we went, oh, oh. Yeah. yeah, frameable to say the least. Yes. And uh, that's what I say about prescriptions. <gasps> that's what I say about people who need to be convicted of a crime but didn't do anything. <laughs> no, not our boy Roger Rabbit here. No, never. Never, 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 never. <laughs> you can also subscribe at the Baby Xenomorph level, get your name, shout, out, shouted out, just email us after you subscribe at withgorleyandrust at gmail.com. We'll do that later in this episode. And also starting next season, if you're a baby xenomorph, mm-hmm. you get to live stream the video of the podcast episode. So you might actually see us drinking hot brown in the field. <laughs> yes, I can remember that's coffee. Yeah. Now this yeah. is hot content. Hot, hot brown. content, hot brown, yeah. hot. What's um it's funny because in the shining on our shining season, it's very cold. So having yeah. a hot brown, but I guess inside the hotel, they're finding different ways to stay warm. Yeah, like burning in hell. Yeah, then the hellfire of, uh, what, excess? Yeah, or like when that big uh, lounge fireplace is rolling and there's two sets of film exposed over one another to make the fire brighter. Damn. This is stuff we've, learned by reading this giant Toshin book that we're going to go deep dive on in yeah, this whole dive. season. Yeah. Deep detail. Yeah. Um, now, when you say deep dive, you mean literally um, this is kind of a kooky thing we've been mm. thinking about. Yeah, I don't even know what Paul's going to say, but he, we're going to, because it's July, it's summertime, we're going to mm. go down to the uh, Cayman, 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 the Cancun. We're going to go to Cancun. <laughs> the Cayman, the Cayman, Cayman Islands. Islands in Cancun. Yeah. And then uh, we're going to um, do the podcast actually deep diving under water. That's right. This was dumb. No, no, it's not dumb because this is what we're doing. We're getting two diving bells, those huge yes. cartoon suits. We've already laminated every page of the Tosh and Shining book so that it's waterproof. <laughs> Which was an ordeal because, uh, I, you know, I don't even... I keep it away from all liquids when I'm reading. Yeah. I don't let anything potentially contaminate that special book. I agree. Why didn't we listen to the auto book underwater? Why don't we just read the Kindle <laughs> in a plastic bag? No. We're, we're, we're originalists. Oh, well, yeah. And I guess you could just go to another podcast for that. Yeah. Ma- for people who, out go, there. who go underwater with big diving bells yeah. to review, and then they just end up listening to the audio book instead of painting through laminated <laughs> covers. Yeah. Okay. Get out of here. Enjoy yourselves. Last podcast on the left. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. We're here to talk about The Conjuring. The Conjuring. 2013, Paul. Mm. What was 2013, Paul, up to? Did he see The Conjuring in the theaters? And if he did, did he pick a side and yell at the audience about whether it was the family or the demons that he wanted to win? (laughs) Do you want The or Conjuring (laughs) to win? Uh, Scream real loud. I, 2013, I, yes, I went and saw it on... uh, uh, opening weekend. I was trying to think if it was like a Friday or Saturday. And I was like, okay, mm. nerd, you know, <laughs> pump them brakes. I do remember it was opening weekend because um, we had seen Insidious mm. and that flipped us out. Mm. Um, we, meaning uh, my wife, Leslie, and I. And uh, it was James Wan and Patrick Wilson mm. back together again for another horror movie. Mm-hmm. So we were just stoked about that. And, uh, 
Yeah, I remember thinking it was like a really fun, it was like a summer movie. Mm. And it was really cool. My, I remember after watching it thinking, oh, that's so great. We got like a classy studio summer blockbuster version of like uh, what could normally be like a, and that would be fine too, like a cheapo exploitation movie yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with with real deal actors from the theater who are like all like didn't even really have a speck of any genre stuff like this on their resumes previously. So all of them getting used this way, like, oh, yeah, I guess I've never seen Lily Taylor in a boy. No, and she shines in this thing. Man. The best. Don't you think? I mean, oh, she has yeah. the most work to do, but mm-hmm. f- seems to be like knocking it out of the park. In yeah, this thing. yeah. More like. Uh, what's the what's the Vera Formiga? I just mean she. I feel like she even separates herself from what is also another strong pack with Patrick Wilson and Ron Livingston. Ron Living style, I should say. I like Ron Livingston's style in this movie. Ron Living style, whatever he's wearing, not including the wig, is what I'm most comfortable in as a human being. Well, when I was looking at it, I was thinking like, um, um. Hey, well, you know, yesterday was Father's Day. Right. And uh, I'd say we're like in a good decade now where people on Father's and Mother's Day, they, they'll post a picture of like their foxy parents. Yeah. Hey, I did it too. Oh, yeah. You, you show an old sure, picture. I did it. And I was like, the conjuring is foxy parents come to life. That's right. Like everybody's getting to see, <laughs> like they're like, it is all really great style. That's true. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, I agree. If I could just absorb living style style and then and then if i had to go to work absorb um you know ed warren style if need yeah be. and when you look what the real ed and lorraine warren look like no offense to them i'm just saying the disparity between patrick wilson <laughs> even looked. even age wise i'm not saying it's just we'll get into the ed and lorraine warren of things because i have I have a whole side conversation I want to have yes, about please. this. We can do it whenever we want. Yes. Maybe we could start with the movie. <laughs> that's what people are here for, not to hear my, um, what's my, my views. Is on it Ed anti-Warren or... propaganda? It might be. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> you were the one who made me realize that Crystal Skulls weren't real. <laughs> were real. Were real. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought... They were fake, and then you convinced me, no, they are true, and they're actually put here yeah, on Earth by, by Ed and Lorraine Warren. <laughs> That's uh, yeah. where you really start pulling the string. Oh, this guy's got, he's got an axe to grind. Now, Matt, what about you, 2013? 2013? Uh, boy, I'm living in Atwater Village. Amanda and I have moved in together. We've been together for a year or so. Um, learning the ropes of a relationship for the long haul. Love it. Love did, all of this. Did not see this movie in the theater. No. What were you seeing maybe 2013 together as a couple? What else is out in 2013? Oh, even if it wasn't specific titles, like a, what kind of movie would you... Oh. Like a, a, I know rom-coms were a little Generally, we'd go to a lot of movies back then. Yeah. I don't know, like a Zero Dark Thirty matinee, mm-hmm. uh, Skyfall, of course, the year before. Uh, but yeah, um, it sounds like you guys like uh, grown-up stuff, not like trash it's not like you guys were going out to see like four christmases or something though i'm surprised we didn't see this because i could see where me at the time i'm like uh another amityville based story of the warrens 
and kind of like in the the tropes of the current horror genre, which has never. It took me a while to get on board with the late two thousands, early mm-hmm. teens version of that, like kind of with um, Sinister and that sort of mm-hmm. thing. But turns out I was missing out on some pretty good stuff. I didn't know mm-hmm. it. I think Amanda knew it, and so she showed it to me. I would assume by the time we were living in Pasadena a few years later, because I'd seen it at home. We watched it. In this it. very home? In this very home. Whoa. This very home where a Bathsheba lady <laughs> killed a baby. Yeah, not Bathsheba, not to be confused with Bagul. Okay. <laughs> Gosh, or Pazuzu. <laughs> or a Pazuki from, what's it? Pazuki? What's the pizza place? Is that the Exorcist Babies cartoon? Pazuki's a cookie pizza. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) But then we did watch it on video. had a good time. Not Mm -hmm. too long ago. And I didn't remember a lot of it by the time I'd watched this last night. But not too long ago, we watched the second Conjuring, which I'm not really a fan of. Mm. It just feels a little too computery and glossy and set designed and but we still to this day say a line from that second movie where the old man goes my house my house my house <laughs> so like if we're yeah, having that's an, a, i could see that applied yeah if we're having an argument about well we're not an argument but a discussion let's say about where should we put our shoes when we take them off i think here i think here no my house that's a good little little, little way to alleviate yeah. whatever happens at a, under a roof, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, But yeah, I, yeah. I remember really enjoying this movie when I first saw it, and I watched it last night, and I, I enjoyed it, yeah. To your point about The Conjuring 2 not being as good as the first, this is, like, too general of a statement, but I feel like, yeah, I liked Insidious and The Conjuring a lot, and then Insidious 2 and The Conjuring 2 I saw, but they weren't as much to my liking yeah. as the first. Now, hey, that's probably case of all movies and sequels a lot of times. Mm. But maybe this feels a little different because it does present itself a little bit as like a Nolan-y, a Christopher Nolan, Ro- Warner Brothers, DCU presentation of like a horror movie. Yeah. Because like the way that it ends, like uh, how um, Batman Begins ends with... Commissioner Gordon being like, well, we found this Joker card. And then in the theater when I was with her, he was like, oh, holy shit. (laughs) We're going to be seeing this three years from now or whatever. The the fact that it was like, yes, the Vatican also wanted to talk to us about this case in Amityville. I I was like, oh, it's the same like austere kind of like, this isn't some... um, trashy D-class A setup for a sequel. <laughs> Warner Brothers. Like this <laughs> Tiffany like uh, studio is just inviting you to the next gala. Like it's so, <laughs> I love it. We're merely saying there's another birthday to celebrate this year in high society. <laughs> so to that point, you would think maybe then the next one should be like The Dark Knight, which is somehow it like yeah. upclasses itself. Right. So maybe that's what's disappointing a little bit about there's the Conjuring a two definite and it's too. It's feeling, the franchise feeling to this, the marvelization of mm. Annabelle. Is the nun part of this universe too? Is La, La Llorona part of this? There is a... There's, there's more Conjurings, the devil made me do it, there's Annabelle. Um, 
Yeah, let me. Uh, I can read through Is all Despicable the country. Me part of this. Yes, Groove? but not the minion movies. Okay, that just the Groove has ones? been. Okay, <laughs> okay. Uh, but not. Is Freddy... All of the minions, just a couple of the minions didn't sign off contractually. <gasps> Ooh, and so that's a it's tough become break. very <laughs> difficult then to get a lot of the rights clear. Is there a Freddy versus Annabelle or Chucky plus Chuck, Annabelle? Chucky plus Annabelle, eat your heart out, Bride of Chucky. Mm. Hey, I heard you've been smooching with Annabelle lately. <laughs> I, no fucking shit. I saw Bathsheba and La Llorona holding hands down at the Pasadena Catholic Church. Is that Chucky? No. Oh, I was trying to do Brian and Chucky. I was trying oh. to do Jennifer. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, then I'm Chucky. Yeah. I right saw there. La Llorona. Excuse me. La Llorona. La Llorona. I don't know. Chucky. All these pronouns these days. Oh, Chucky. Come on. What do you want? Some we were all thinking it. (laughs) All right. The Conjuring universe is the Conjuring. Then, before even Conjuring 2, Annabelle. Okay. That makes sense. Hey, when we saw the Conjuring, we were like, what's going on with that? Yeah, they they really backdoor piloted Annabelle in this thing. I'll say, yeah. I mean, where does your heart really lie? Yeah. Backdolled. It's like if, um, I mean, also the, the, uh, the balls, the audacity, because if you thought, think about it, it would be like if, um, one of the opening cases in the first James Bond movie. (gasps) Like the next movie before the second James Bond movie was about like one of the missions. Like it's just like wow, you guys are really yeah. confident. Like yeah, I can give you the exact please. example of what that would be. So between Doctor No and From, from Russia, Russia with, with Love, Love, there would be this. Well, right, okay, yeah. So it would yeah, it would be a movie about Rosa Club, who just go. <laughs> Okay. okay. I thought you were clapping so the to edit. called Rosa Club. Yes, Rosa Club, who's Club! just a, a like a very strict lesbian Soviet taskmaster, and she's maybe going out and finding hot young Russian women for missions to mm-hmm. seduce British gentlemen spies. And switch those letters around. And she's also Rosa a doll. Club, it spells out Annabelle. I mean, oh my god, that's right. Exactly, letter for letter. Oh shit. Then The Conjuring 2 in 2016. Annabelle Creation. Oh boy. 2017. And that's the really funny Annabelle Colon Creation. Annabelle Colon. Annabelle's Colon Creation. <laughs> which is just a big doll turd. Gene Shallow wishes he, like, <laughs> that would be such a funny today. Hey, Annabelle's colon creation. It's shit. <laughs> More like Annabelle's colon creation. This movie was a huge doll turd, but I liked it. <laughs> then, the nun. Okay. Then, yes, the curse of La Laurent. La Yarona. Yes, thank you. And then Annabelle comes home. No. Why did she leave? Uh, to find herself, of course. Oh, boy, she went on a room springer. Uh, that's what Annabelle cre- colon creation, oh. Annabelle colon rum springer. 
<laughs> she just, I'm oh. in spring break in Daytona Beach, but I'm wearing an but, Amish. But garb. they'd have to find like a horror toy, like twist on Rump Springer, so it'd be wrong Springer. Uh, wrong Spring. This doll has a wrong spring in it. You know, dolls are just filled with springs. <laughs> like a clock. And then 2021, I can't believe I haven't seen it yet. The Conjuring colon. The devil made me. The do devil it. made me do it. That's don't based you on know? A, you know, one of their investigations as well, and I use that term loosely. Ooh, I love this little like tease of your. I like, mean, should we just get into this? Yeah, I want to hear your. I'm not a fan of Ed and Lorraine Warren. Woo! Hot. Take. No, I want to hear it because uh, I don't know much about the Warren, so I bet I'll be able to like learn something about like what, yeah, what um, hucksters they are, I guess, huh? I guess for me, Frauds? yeah, quacks, mountebanks, charlatans, all of them. Wrong springers, yeah, wrong springers, snake oil salesmen, flim okay. flam men, flim flam men. Here's the deal. We all know my dumb Halloween story. I'm not going to go through it again. But I also saw the Amityville Horror, which, by the way, if you're a Patreon subscriber, look, Lorraine and Ed Warren, I'm not above making some money off this stuff either. <laughs> We've covered that as a film commentary. <laughs> Lots of great microfilm in the library, microfiche in the <laughs> yeah. library talk. Uh, so in my neighborhood, just like backmasking on heavy metal LPs and you know things <laughs> like that, this was all purported to be real stuff. You know, the Amityville mm -hmm. whore, I'd go to save on drug and get my ice cream or maybe replace my vacuum tubes for my console television and test them out on a little stand there. They had the paperback of Amityville Horror with that, you know, hemisphere window at top, but Ooh. that was cut out on the cover. Yes. And if you opened it, there was a bigger picture behind it. Those are the most classy books that do that. Flowers in the Attic. I was going to say ours was Flowers in the Attic, yep. the kids looking through the attic. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's a... I think regarded as the best piece of literature of the 80s. I think so. Yeah. Certainly the sexiest. Well, I mean, speaking of incest, Amityville too. And the whole, the whole original story of the Amityville was the brother and sister getting together and then the brother kills everybody in the family. IRL? IRL. In real life, there was incest going on? Oh, I don't know about that. You can't trust any of this stuff. Yeah. I think there was a murder at this house, yeah. and that's where all these rumors started. Yeah. Don't My wife, a Long Islander herself, uh, yeah, she said uh, she would drive by, you know, if you were cutting in the neighborhood, you go, hey, yeah. let's drive by it. Then you drive by and you go, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I love a good ghost story. Don't get me wrong. Oh, for sure. No, but yeah. with uh, the Warrens... Well, here we go. When you play on other people's beliefs, yes. that's when you dabble into the devil's territory. And I'm saying it. They... I'm already by hot take. They align themselves more with demons than gods. I agree. Okay, okay. Because they're just... They're preying on people's ignorance, let's say. Mm -hmm. To put it charitably, I, I should think. Um, but... Do you think they believe, though? That's the thing with Ed and Lorraine Warren, because there's a couple of skeptics, Peter Novella and Perry DeAngelis, that went and debunked all of their stuff, but did meet with them and found them to be very nice and possibly very sincere. But then I dug a little deeper. Mm -hmm. Paul, did you know <laughs> that this has never come out from publicly except for a Hollywood reporter investigation into a case where a woman was sworn in her testimony, even though she's never come out publicly with it because she didn't want to, that she was in a relationship 
with Ed Warren when <laughs> he was 30 and she was 15. She then lived at the house and they were together for 40 years, according to this article, under the watchful eye of Lorraine Warren. So Ooh. I'm not going to judge anybody if they have an open relationship, but obviously there's some creepy age shit going on here. Yeah. Uh-huh. If uh-huh. that's true, it seems sort of coming from where what they've chosen in their career to be, uh, I, don't, I don't put the benefit of the doubt in their court, let's put it that way. Yeah, hey, um, also with the, um, the fact that like, uh, that stuff would be going, would be happening in their house, whether they're open about it or that it would be repressed. My, this is within what we're talking about, the Warrens, but outside larger. I personally think when somebody has like a paranormal experience, it is when I'm not making any big statement here. It's just like when something that needs to be talked about Mm. in a household Mm. isn't being talked about, then weird shit starts to happen. Right. So like whether it's like abuse or sexual abuse or it it does feel like, so I'm not saying with the Warrens now, vis-a-vis, like, you know, I just like the idea that you would sense paranormal spirits in somebody else's house, (laughs) but not an actual kind of just true life kind of like bad yes person within your own house well it gets worse is a trip okay now again some of this i wouldn't call this hot gossip because it's documented this stuff was you know sworn testimony you're reporting it you're just sharing it sure i'm a intrepid reporter yeah uh she was arrested because of this underage relationship she was arrested lorraine no not lorraine the 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 underaged uh woman girl the underage girl And they tried to get her to confess, and she wouldn't do it so that they could bust Ed. They were never able to. But she also claimed in this testimony that he was very abusive to Lorraine and would backhand her and control her. Now, again, I'm just reporting what I read. But when you do take a look at people whose livelihood is to go to people who are scared to death and in need and don't know better Mm. and whether they believe it or not to prey on and perpetuate that stuff Mm. no one's surprised and this should not take away from this movie it's just interesting how this series of movies venerates these people (laughs) as as heroes and I wonder what how much Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga know about these people they're playing then Okay, so... Yes, no, yes, uh-huh, uh-huh. I, I have long been involved in this wonderful project by one of my dear and wonderful friends named Michael Simsies, who's created this amazing little project called The Unusualist. And this was originally going to be a TV show on, I believe it was IFC, we had sold it, and then it didn't happen. It might have been FX, I forget. Then a movie, and then uh, now as a pilot presentation... But it's basically, remember Leonard Nimoy's In Search Of? Mm-hmm. That mixed with The Daily Show. So I play kind of a, like a Carl Sagan-ish sort of oh, wow. skept- yeah. skeptic, but with big imagination, 
going to talk to real people that have had paranormal experiences, one of which was a woman in Rancho Cucamonga who had this amazing haunted house story that the Warrens then came. Oh, wow. And and dealt with her or like tried to do their kind of their thing with. And it was this crazy experience. She was a wonderful, wonderful, sweet woman. And the story was that she was living in a house with her sort of ailing mother. Forgive me, Michael, if I get any of this wrong. It's been a long time. And this father who was kind of twisted and evil, but he would write demonic messages on the mirror with soap and basically say he's going to kill the mother. And it was very clear. The demon was going to clear the kill the mother. And it, uh, Mr. Entity was what the demon was called. (laughs) And it was so clear (laughs) when you talk to this poor woman who was the daughter of all these goings on in the house, knives being thrown, like stuck in the wall, Mm. that it was very obviously the father was insane and wanted to kill his wife. Yes. He didn't want to be in a Catholic uh, marriage where there's no divorce and whatever. I'm projecting that on it, but it was very clear. And then, so then the Warrens again sweep in and are able to, you know, quote, make sense of it. And I don't know why I have such a soft... Did it go away then? Like after the Warrens, like in their... I'm not saying... Because they came and took care of it. There was I, I a mean, resolution. Like, I'm trying to remember. This whole thing exists. This The unusual this exists as a finished TV pilot presentation. I, I, I wonder, I'm sure I'll talk to Michael after this because he's a listener. Yeah. He's so creative and made such a wonderful thing. Like He has such a, a big picture world of this where I have a bit more of a micro skeptic view where I can't come in and that sounds fully awesome, be objective. Though, like, yeah, 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 he, yeah. He's so creative and he did all... like the writing and then the compositing. So you see reenactments happen as I'm interviewing this woman with some people in my friendship circle that you might recognize. How does one see this? I don't know. It's played at festivals, but it's never, it's never been released or anything, but maybe at some point, hopefully it'll get out there. But. And is uh, that what guy still at like large, the guy who was like throwing knives and stuff. I think he's, Dead. This happened, I think, in the 70s. Oh, okay, okay. So the daughter is now probably in her 60s, and I was at her house and the house where it all happened. Damn. And uh, yeah, it was interesting. And she was so sweet but a tr- and a true believer. I don't believe she was a huckster, the daughter, because mm-hmm. she would have also been pretty young at the time. She was, I think, newly married and young. But mm-hmm. you just get to see how how easy it would be for me if I wanted to, to come in and convince her of something. And it's it's like, you know, cold reads and all that stuff. So anyway, this is all to say that when I saw the, all the stuff for Amityville and Halloween, and I was so scared by it as a kid that that led me to investigate science versus, you know, the supernatural. So I could get, um, comfort in facts and stuff like that. And I did it as self-protection. And so I was so scared that I, when I see people taking advantage of like this in real life, it, it I guess it's the one crusade I have that really I get religion it. and you know a lot not to say spirituality but but organized religion, yeah. cults, um, clairvoyance, cold readers, all that shit. It just drives me crazy. And it's more the people who are. Uh Leading those things, not necessarily the people who are following. Yeah, you wish right. that they would have a, the, the people that are the victims of it. You wish they would have a better critical skill set, but mm-hmm. that's just not reality. So when people come along and take advantage of that, I really think that's one of the more evil things you can do. And then yeah. writ large, 
that's a, you know, that's a dictator. That's how a dictator does it. Yeah. That's how a president of some kind does it. Yeah. You know? No, it, I, I get, um, affected by that stuff too. And that sometimes when I get rankled by it, I think for me, this is uh, just sort of thinking out loud right now. I think like, or I thought this before, but I'm saying it out loud, like that my line of work moves, traffics in those same sorts of like emotional control and emotional manipulation. And I have to like ride the line of like, ooh, I do enjoy that in life, my own personal life, getting to kind of like control a mood yeah. in a room or, or particularly, yeah, if I go on a stage on an audience, I get to kind of like control that. And so sometimes I think when I see a priest do it, I see myself. Oh, really? But well, no, no, no. What, I, 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 what I'm saying is I see myself yeah. and that's hard. Uh, and then it gets the fact that then I see it get myself get twisted into, um, I have the same thing with, uh, you know, uh, elected officials and yeah. p- politicians. The cult of personality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That cult of personality getting twisted in a way that I go, oh, that has serious, um, a way that I can it's not just schluffing it off. I can like distance myself and go, I'm providing some entertainment and escape. They're providing escape, but, um, you know, it's a, it's, there's a huge distinction. Yeah. That is the audience knows what you're doing. is not real. And that also that you have a, a sense of, of, conscientiousness but I think it's it's just me recognizing like that's a dark art in some way yeah yeah and to see it get you it's just you know it's probably good golly how the the the, how they feel about the force you know when Darth (laughs) Vader starts using the force to pick up something to conk somebody on the head or they strangle them they're like no you should be picking up X-wings out of swamps. But in that. that world, the force is real. In our world, frankly, you know, ghosts aren't real, and and neither- maybe the 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 power is the um, yeah, the cult of personality thing. Yeah, and and the responsibility of what you do with it. Also, the yeah. the the medium within which you do it. Acting is all make believe. Yeah, magicians. No magician is really going to tell you what they're doing is actually magic. But psychics and cold readers are doing yeah. magic tricks and telling you it's real, lying to you. Preachers are. So in this unusualist thing, I did an interview also with Travis Walton, who is the alien abductee from Fire in the Sky. Remember that whole story? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what was interesting about that one was he, I couldn't tell if he was a true believer or a total huckster because he had been telling this story so long that he was just absolutely phoning it in. And there was no way to know if he was just tired of telling a story he believed like or a, a story he was show. lying at. And he was just, a, okay, yeah, this, 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 this. And it was really, I've never seen that kind of huckster before who actually couldn't be bothered. 
so you it's almost kind of a wonderful subterfuge because you couldn't tell if he was lying or not and in some ways almost made it more interesting and more believable (laughs) yeah that's like uh what you want you know to what i was comparing it to you know in vegas shows they'll do that thing of like you know i rarely ever do this i I don't think i've ever done this (laughs) the moon is out tonight. Let's sing. I love the moon. You know? <laughs> and then you go the next night and they sing it again or something. You know, you're like, Oh, wait a minute. That wasn't a, like, yeah, that's what you want with the, if you are a huckster, yeah. there are, when you are a huckster, you gotta give the razzle dazzle each yeah. time. So this fire, like what? After he pitched it to Paramount for that movie, after that, then he just couldn't be bothered. Well, it's the same, same reason why, I can disassociate this obviously from the movie, the conjuring, because you're not going to make a movie where Ed and Lorraine Warren are bad people. They're the heroes of the movie. It has to be. Well, it's this so way. funny. The thing that I, I really, it sounds a lot like, and I, um, is JFK to, um, Oliver Stone's JFK yeah. to the guy that Kevin Costner plays. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, Garrison. one of the most handsome actors yeah. of his generation <laughs> yes. portraying somebody who is noble to no fault. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and like, yes, and he's the 2013 version of that because yeah. in, in um, JFK, Kevin Costner can't be bothered by the children. I know I should be around for Easter Sunday, you know. Yeah. With this, he's like a full-on like uh, a wife guy. Yeah. He's just yeah. like all about. He's a making, try guy. Yeah, yeah. So you could really see, yeah, this movie as like he's the ultimate try guy. Whatever Oliver Stone was trying to gaslight you about uh, Jim. Uh, God, why am I blanking? Jim Garrison. Jim Garrison. Because, you know, I'm sure that guy being a New Orleans DA, you could tell a different story about the stuff he dabbles oh, I think in that's and, well known. And also what he looked like. And yeah. Yes, what he looked and like. And you know what's crazy? You could actually make a case. The Conjuring is way less offensive in that manner because it's... It, totally understands its entertainment even in even with it's all this is based on a true story yeah. and this all happened we all know that's bullshit yeah. oliver stone's really asking you to believe that's this true shit, that's you know? true that's true and this is probably why you and i also had such a problem with that um what was that magician special that guy that mentalist that came out during pandemic that everybody oh. derek guadagnino or whatever because he takes it beyond being a magician and wrapping people's emotions up into it and acting like this is the first time it ever happened. Yeah, that, that oh, right, when guy. he would do those kind of like, uh, his voice would quiver at yeah. the same time telling a story, though. I'm sure he's done a few times. Absolute huckster. Yeah. And because I think he, at the end of the day, would admit that those are magic tricks, but he he wouldn't admit that people are having an emotional reaction and he has that I think that lack of responsibility in a performer where he enjoys manipulating people's emotions yeah. unrealistically and I find that despicable. I hear you man look the with, with the magician thing like it was clear that guy was like I want to do magic we all know magic is corny okay so the <laughs> yeah. way they tried to work around that for the last for the, you know, from 1930s to 1970, 1966 yeah. is Harry Blackstone, Houdini, yeah. like, oh, Razzle Dazzle is going to, you know. And then after that, it's like Doug Henning or 
to David Copperfield. Yeah. And then like the final stage of that is like David Blaine where it's like, no, actually magic is pretty fucking cool. Yeah. And then and Gen X, sexy uh, Penn and Teller Gen X of like, we can't take credit for this, yeah, 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 but yeah, we're going to yeah. be, we're going to like snark it. Yes. Yeah. Snark it. So yeah. if Penn and Teller are on the thing that has been completely, it's been uh, ironic up. Yeah. In shuffles, this guy, the magician who's like, actually, magic is kind of about <laughs> sincerity. Yeah. And the fact that it's a mixture of, no, you're doing a trick with the sincerity is, I uh, really, now, I like goofball stand-up yeah. comedians, and I would even put, you know, truth teller types like George Carlin and yeah. R- Richard Pryor in the goofball territory. They're still like goofballs, right? Yeah. The thing the the where my gag reflex comes up, uh, like, ooh, you know, uh, is the stand-up that, like a Chris D'Elia, okay. who's like his... All his jokes are made up scenarios where he comes off as the cool guy or like cooler yeah. than other. Yeah. And I'm just using his name for two dozen right. types like him. If you like looked at him and are like, oh, they're just using this as a cool guy, yeah. you know, thing. But uh, uh, the it also is um, difficult that when it's like presented though, like a standup is like anything as like, like they're telling a, the story as sincere or authentic yeah. is really, I think what I'm like, huh, I know just always tell me this is like the 80th time you've done this. Well, you and I have mentioned many times on here that we actually appreciate sincerity in creativity and entertainment and a move away from ironic detachment mm-hmm. of like, I'm too cool to be sincere about this. That I think we both really agree when you succeed at achieving that is the best form of entertainment. So when this Derek guy comes along and sort of like purports to be sincere and it's so cynical and so false and fake, that's to me the biggest No, and it feels like Christian camp. It It feels like, yeah, like the guy who breaks up. I'm sorry I got so charged on this episode. I'm on such a soapbox, but this is not to say don't even like this movie. I I do enjoy this movie. I just... uh, Hey, these it, movies it are ways to me talk of a, about of a, a yeah, yeah. Of, a, of a facet in my life I haven't really thought about much. And I'm reading the book, The Lost City of Z, and it takes a lot of it takes place in the Victorian era. And they were talking about mm. this psychic woman who, because science was progressing so much in the Victorian age, the more magic and hucksterism came along, the more it added credulity to them because they were looked at as like huh. scientists because now you could see things at a microscopic level. It meant there was almost like no, no limit to what science could show us. So magic could be explained by science. So these hucksters were always kind of like seance scientists and <laughs> yeah, mentalists yeah, yeah. and they had an air of professional... I don't know, like imprimatur about them or something yeah. that was. I don't know. Hubbard dabbled in those yeah, waters exactly. too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it still goes on today. And I, I just, uh, oh. yeah. It's a. It would be funny if this um, movie ended with like um, Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga. They like turn to camera and they like take off their things. They're like, you know, we were just playing characters here, but. <laughs> We support everything Ed and Lorraine <laughs> have done, and please send your Venmo <laughs> to them. Well, Lorraine Warren 
consulted on this movie. That's the other thing. So apparently, according to Brantley Palmer and mm-hmm. huge tip of the hat to Brantley, I yes. also loved in his notes when he would write things about Ed Warren and little parentheses. Can you see my eyes rolling here? He would write. So he, he and I have a very, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I think close to my heart. Oh, they're Brantley. the, they're the, they're the worst. And, and, uh, so Vera Farmiga apparently got pretty close to Lorraine Warren and, oh. Oh, yeah, because it's, that, it's, right, it's like right, that right. thing, you know, we talk about where all Americans hate each other on the two sides, but they come together in a line at Starbucks and they're really nice to each other. You know, I'm, I met some hucksters when I was doing this unusualist thing and I was not about to call them out on their bullshit. I would kind of undercut some things. I was not there to be mean. I wanted to be nice. But you have to respect people's humanity. But at some point, what do you do? do when this just all such bullshit you know all of this stuff is everywhere yeah no i uh the the thing of um yeah the bullshit thing has been the thing i guess over the last few years of like scales falling away of being like oh so everything outside of uh family is bullshit family and friends loved ones is what i mean like yeah. is bullshit and you like think about it in different ways you're like nope that's still all bullshit yeah. uh and so when i um you know having a grown up raised catholic uh, i think i've done six of the sacraments matt and what, what, K, K through 12 uh, education. Which, what are the sacraments and which one didn't you do? So I, I didn't do holy really orders. About. What's that mean? That's uh, like signing a, up to be a priest. <gasps> and that was always a little bit of the like stick. You couldn't really ever do all of the sacraments unless you got married, your wife passed away, and then you joined the priesthood. And then, and then the other one I haven't got is the, uh, <laughs> I haven't got on my check work, uh, is um, receiving like last rites, anointing when you're when you're in bed before you die. Well, yeah, I hope not. Yeah, no, yeah, thank goodness. <laughs> knock on. Oh no, that was a knock on the door from the priest giving me oh, my last rites. <laughs> Paul, I got some bad news. <laughs> so it's baptism, uh, confirmation. Uh, that's the fourth. Whoa, so uh, baptism, reconciliation. <laughs> Uh, why it's the big one? Confirmation is in junior high, but the communion, communion, doy, oh, look, I baptism. Don't know. I know nothing about this. Baptism, communion, reconciliation, confirmation, matrimony, or holy orders, denial, anger, to de- death, all seven stages: uh, anger, wrath, sloth. sloth. You had to eat a bunch of spaghetti. <laughs> so having a certain uh, amount of uh, Catholic damage, uh, and yeah. like the thing you what you were saying about the in the Starbucks line, that's the you know the thing that this applies in a coffee bean and tea leaf line. Too. Oh, good, just, good, good. I just want to make that clear. The thing I struggle, you know, with is like, ooh, life is really hard. Yeah. And the struggle is real. And just like, I don't know. I, I, I've come to, like, definitely the people, the the ones in charge and further on that, the ones in charge who don't believe in it and practice it. Mm. 
that, but like, it's been a real journey for me. And I know you're not even talking about the followers. You, we made that distinction in the beginning. That's the thing that I'm like, hmm. I don't know. I like, life is so tough. If somebody, and I'm not this an argument to you. I'm like working this through my mind. It's like, if somebody finds a way to make it easy, I like, I say go forth, you know? But it's hard because I do feel like um, there's like two steps after that where it becomes evil. You know what yeah. I mean? Where the like kids are getting molested yeah, and yeah. people are uh, fucking over, uh, slitting people's not throats and white. in the name of somebody else. Like, so it's, it quickly becomes something terrible. Yeah. So I don't know. And then the Starbucks thing is like, yeah, when I go back home and I see people who I'm just like, oh, they really, they believe it makes their life better. I guess I'm angry at the, I don't know. I know it. I, I don't begrudge the believers. <laughs> it's the, usurpers and those that take advantage of that belief that I find to be really, well, to quote last week's movie, sinister. Yeah, that's or true. No, insidious, yeah. depending yeah. on when we cover that. You know what my last big, like, um, oh, I can't believe I didn't think this was bullshit. And this was like in the last 10 years. Yeah. But um, Santa Claus. In like the third grade till into high school when I learned about this stuff, I truly thought the Supreme Court was like, impartial that it was well, all about like balls and me, strikes me too and so that's been the big like i know that's rough. oh that hurts is that the last awakening or is there more we don't know i'm scared um uh, <laughs> uh, that gail Gad- gadot didn't really want us to imagine <laughs> <laughs> i think of that quite often it, it was a snapshot oh boy yeah oh boy well look i've been on my big soapbox enough not Let's at talk all about man this movie. i love talking Listener, about this thank you for indulging no because it doesn't I'll... stop me from enjoying this movie because i do think it's a real fun haunted house story i want you to talk about that stuff all the time i think it's the it's the thing right well, this was the That's one this people... was the episode where it had to happen but you also you know it's like you read a bunch of old books it's always about that, the the faith thing. Yeah. I just wish it was over and done with. Let's just Me move too. on to other stuff, guys. It's 2023. <laughs> We've got Apple Vision Pro coming. It's all here. The love is all here between us, guys. Wait a <laughs> you think AI will sweep in just in time to become the new god? I mean, um, obviously, there's so many times where I'm like, "Oh, what a horrible!" My phone question. is my god. I go to it yeah. for all answers and for security. But um, <laughs> well, let's get into this movie. One uh, thing I will say: Ooh, that, wow, real hot take though. My phone is my god. Look out! But no, so what we're saying. <laughs> Annabelle in the original story was actually a Raggedy Ann doll. Yeah, and now I had a my sister had a Raggedy Ann, and I had a Raggedy Andy, and that mm-hmm. was the one I took out my getting punched in the library bathroom thing on was Raggedy Andy. So if ever a Raggedy Andy or Ann doll could be possessed and have a, have a vendetta, 
it would have been coming back for me. They looked demonic, don't you think? They were weird looking, yeah. Because they had those like black eyes and sort of eyes. red straight. Almost like jack-o'-lanterns. Yeah. A doll's eyes. They were like jack-o'-lanterns. Yeah. I have a really creepy photo of me uh, in Raggedy Andy's clothes <gasps> sitting next to a naked Raggedy Are you serious? Andy in a chair. <laughs> Can you find that? I yeah, I'll that. give it to you because it's a pretty classic Can picture of our family. Yeah, 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 okay, yeah. Good. Wow. Oh my God. <laughs> be flipping through a photo album and it'll come up and we're like, ah! It's so scary. I could imagine your mom left <laughs> the room and you weren't like that and she came back and you were like that like six seconds passed and she came back and you were switched. <laughs> like the kitchen table, the chairs on the kitchen table, yeah, the guys, she just stepped oh, away. That, you I bring came. up a good question. So I like this movie. Yeah. I don't love it, but I like it. I love Poltergeist. Yeah. They're essentially the same movie. Why is it the direction? Why does Poltergeist... Well, this is yeah. So good to me is it the because the characters are way better. Mm-hmm. I do find Ed and Lorraine Warren in this to be not even two dimensional, but one dimensional, maybe point five dimensional. Yeah, they're like Sherlock Holmes and Watson or something. They're just kind of yeah. the people who have like one, but without any wit. And <laughs> and you bring in Zelda Rubenstein and her crew. I know and they had so their, full their of life crew, and but color. They yeah. weren't as eccentric. In this one, it was just the, the, yeah, but even the mom, dad, they had no character in this, but there's no character to anybody except Lily, the daughters maybe. Mm -hmm. And Lily Taylor had a little bit, but it was more, her character was despair. Like there was no, I don't know. No, the, there was no, you could swap all the parts. The mom could become the dad. The dad become the mom. I had the exact same, uh, thought with, uh, that it was, you know, poltergeist and exorcist. Somehow this yeah. movie found a way to put both together. And I, my question was, uh, not, uh, was similar of like, why is poltergeist work? And this doesn't, it was, why does an exorcism only work in the exorcist for me? I've yes. never seen a possession or exorcism scene that ever makes me. And I'm like, God damn, 1973 exorcist. Know, like what? Why is that? It's really, and same with Poltergeist, like the normal suburban family who we can roughly recognize as our own. In a modern house. Yeah, and, getting yeah. yeah, getting haunted. It's just never going to be this, as good as Poltergeist. I know. Uh, I don't know if it's because it was the first ones there. With this, you know, like I, I have the thought because at the end when they're doing the exorcism and like it's a bloody sheet that's opened and she's screaming and I'm like I guess it's pretty intense but it's just not the crucifix scene and the exorcist like that that's just like impossible to yeah surpass. and when they set up the tech in this movie yes naturally I think of the same stuff in Poltergeist but I also started thinking about Ghostbusters and as like in a post Ghostbusters world. It just seems silly. Yeah, it was almost like this was about... It did seem silly. Like, it was about the... um, Intentionally so. Almost like the (sighs) quaintness of this. Like, oh, you see in movies this, like, high techno stuff, and you think they're ahead of the curve. And this, like... You're like, these fucking idiots think (laughs) warmth can get picked up by a Polaroid, you know? uh, uh, Or that there's a heat sensor and stuff. Yeah, the... um, the the combo oh the idea that this is like whatever a mixture of um it made me think of um you know that uh 
who's that guy? Michael uh, Chabon. Uh, oh, Michael Chabon, the author? Yeah. He wrote an essay about once about uh, his kid, boys playing with Legos. This, and uh, he was saying, it was, he did as the history of Lego. Like, oh, it began as like completely um, blocks that were always the same size. So the goal was, how can I best approximate the thing I'm going for given the rugged, primitive tools I'm giving, given by Lego? And he said, but then once they started adding the door, threw everything off because oh, now yes. it's set scale. Yes. And now once you add a door, you have to think about the people. Okay, right. so we'll bring in people. And then he was sort of lamenting how at some point, wait, Lego just became model kits. Yeah. And it's about, and with sort of a broken heart, he's like, it's like rules. It's like how best can these kids like read a diagram and follow the rule to get the thing they want. And then there's a little like end, and that's awesome, where it's like, and then I saw my son, my sons, uh, they took a dinosaur and they combined it with a medieval castle and then added that with a Ghostbusters part that they had and combined it and it was its new thing. And then he was like, I guess that's sort of what hip hop is or Quentin Tarantino yeah, movies are. Pastiche. Yeah, it's all the, um, exactly. And pastiche where it becomes a, an entirely new thing because of the pastiche. Yeah. That, um, and I was thinking just in the opening, the credits is like, I mean, I think James Wan movies are really fun because it is kind of this like blendering, putting in a blender, a bunch of all everybody's favorite things yeah, and being like, yeah, why couldn't an exorcist movie and a poltergeist movie exist? But even like that opening is like typewritten Texas chainsaw massacre serious. Yeah. But then it goes to like an omen style title credit that looks cool too. And I'm like, yeah. those two things shouldn't really no. go together. The like the matter of fact telling you, and then the like Gothic omen, like the conjuring. Yeah. But they feel good together, and I think that's when it maybe doesn't work for me, is when, like, the components then feel empty. Yeah. Like, all this stuff. Yeah, when War the Warrens come back to their house, and they got to deal with their daughter also. That feels like in a cop movie, when you're like, oh, I fucking hate, I don't care I know. how the case is affecting their kid at home i love when they go to that treasure trove of all them and he goes don't worry a priest come and comes and blesses this once a month so is that like how we i put flea medication on my cat once a month and towards the end of the month is there less protection like don't go in there around the 28th through the 31st because it's some of the blessings worn off and there might be some little demons running around. Yeah. But if you go in there on the first, when he blesses it, man, that's the day to come because you could freely walk in there without a possession. <gasps> this is like an exterminator who goes around and sets traps. And and why is it one month? Why is it 30 days? Is it a lunar cycle? Yeah. Oh, or? I mean, I laughed out loud when the Catholic, when he's like a priest. And then also when they visited the priest leader, it did remind me of um, Pauline Kael's review of The Exorcist, which is so funny. She's like, this movie not only says the devil is real, it's saying that only a Catholic priest, <laughs> like a religion yeah. that was started after the world began only they possess the power you know well they call ed warren the only demonologist recognized by the catholic church which is hilarious because he's a self 
professed demonologist. There's not, <laughs> he didn't. He didn't go to Phoenix University. He didn't even get like a for-profit degree, much less you know Yale or something. That's so funny. That's basically like the and then him saying that he was the only demonologist approved by Vatican yeah. is a little bit by me like the only three card Monty player on the sidewalk <laughs> outside the casino. <laughs> like people, the casino yeah. approves of yeah. this three card Monty. Yeah. How Whole, Whole Foods allows Greenpeace outside of their store. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, so yeah, yeah. The, uh, uh, yeah, that little room that they go down into, because that's where, that's where they keep Annabelle. Yeah. This is not based on a true story. It's based on the true story. And I also love the uh, <laughs> opening. It said something like, never before a story so malevolent. <laughs> well, the exorcist? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the bottom says the exorcist. The, but I love the word malevolent. Yeah. It is always used in the best How way. How is that not like sinister or insidious? The Malevolence. A, a, a horror movie called Malevolent. Maybe it already is. Oh. Malevolent. It is one. Yeah, it? it's a James one. Yeah. yeah the, oh, of course. So he oh got the God. note. Yeah. Oh, what am I thinking? Uh, the, uh, so yeah, then, right, it starts with, oh, this also seems like this is a, in a really big, like, post- Zodiac thing, as long as we're talking about the ongoing Fincher ripoffs. Yeah. Like, there's a seven thing to the end titles, too. Yes. But, like, the late 60s period, you see people go and in a very straight faced procedural way, go in and, but also you get to see neat styles and sort of the technology that they can use at the time that, like, limits them. Yeah. Uh, Then the, because then you see them interview the people at the beginning. And then, yeah, when they, like, introduce them, they're, like, sort of at a um, a lecture hall. Yeah, where's this huge college lecture that they're doing? I did think of the book, because, you know, yeah, (laughs) words are shit. Like, when I saw that, I was like, I know what this really was. (laughs) Like, I've seen flyers up for this in towns and I don't go to it. It was in their living room and a few people who knew there were free donuts and coffee came. And uh, then uh, one guy who thought it was his AA meeting. An, uh, an un-approved like, um, meeting at a public library. Yes, what yes. are you guys doing here? Uh, we're uh, uh, doing a presentation. <laughs> also, the movie makes such a weird choice. Of, like They have them with film of an exorcism, a real life exorcism that they do. Yeah. Remember with they, the cross bulging out his side. Yeah. And that's the one that Lily Taylor sees later. Yeah. But I was like, thinking back to that first presentation, I was like, for the movie's sake and for the, these people watching, you got to put that exorcism eight millimeter film you got. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That'll make them believers. <laughs> There's some 70s stuff in here that I, like just out of nostalgia for instance did you guys ever sing that john jacob jingleheimer smith song uh yes john yes. jacob jingleheimer smith his name was my name too whenever we go out the people used to shout john jacob jingleheimer smith i meant to look that up what the fuck is happening in that song <laughs> whatever he goes out the people always shout john? is it because they like his name you freaks or Let they're boy like live his life or what if they're like he's loose that uh 
<laughs> and do you remember um, when TVs of that era? Do you know how you want to feel old? Yeah. Uh, uh, were you a '40s kid? TVs of that era at around like one or two a.m. would have no programming, so they'd play the national anthem and then just go to static for the rest of the night. And I remember that so well. As yeah, a kid. the poltergeist. Uh, yeah, I, right. I, oh, so I put in my notes podcast. I think yeah. I put this in my notes. I was like, losing the staticky TV is a real big loss to horror movies. I know. What and wondering what is the equivalent now? Is it like if somebody was there that out of nowhere? A screensaver came up. <laughs> the toaster. Oh, it went to the scanning Flying Apple toasters. TV skyline oh. of L.A. <sighs> What's the story behind John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt? The song is thought to have originated during a time when there was a large influx of German immigrants to the United States, although probably none of them was named John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt, as there's, as there's no known record of the Jingleheimer surname. The song likely has its roots in vaudeville. Okay, because you know That's what? That's not it, a satisfying answer. It sounds like it had some degree of xenophobia. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Brantley, you, you know what to do. <laughs> do you know? That reminds me of the song that, uh, that what's that? Lily, Lily Osafepper. It's like a on a dun 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 on a being due day. But it's like basically like. Now let's make fun of a long Swedish name. I don't think I know that one. Yeah. Um, I'll sing it and perform it for you next week. Please. Uh, so after that, then we meet the we meet those those kooky parents. Yeah, I have to say, I think they're asking for it with a haunted house because they put up all those pictures of the family themselves on the staircase. And the, this is the creepiest thing in the house are those pictures of the family. Did you see them? They're just like... Weird yeah. looking versions of them. Yeah, because when they did that flashback earlier of them, the film of them on, it made me think of like, you know how like, oh, with these movies, they got to start cozy. So, you know, when they get scary. Yeah. So then when they have to show what times, how they were happier than yeah, the beginning, yeah. they got to oh. go so extreme <laughs> that it's like, no, 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 too cozy, that's too why, cozy. Yeah. I think that's the big difference between this and Poltergeist. Poltergeist is a movie about characters and this is just a melodrama. You know. Yeah, there's the. Um, I mean, there's no change that exists between Lily Taylor and Ron Living style. Like, <laughs> you know, like it, yeah. he's always just a solid dude. She's yeah. a mom who's you know under pressure. Oh, you know something that really got my goat, Paul. What about the Warrens? Is that no, thing they me. throw in, which is always that like give you a dose of believability where the Warrens go do that one investigation like, it's just the pipes in this creaky floorboard. We're not here to to swindle you. We'll tell you. You know, we're an honest mechanic. You don't need us. Oh boy, are we on the level. See you. Tell your friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. And then after that, be like, now tell your three neighbors because you never know. Ghosts do skip houses. <laughs> I love either all- side of you. I saw, a ca- <laughs> I saw a Casper and a Slimer. I love that common sense uh, sort of um, stuff he applies to. And he's like, you get hot, kind of like stepping in gum. 
<laughs> has a way of following you around. It's like, okay. So what was your metaphor before gum, you asshole? Yeah. I love that. I want there to be a ghost hunter who goes around. It's like, kind of like Roger Rabbit where they get all the licensing and they go to a house and like, well, this one's got a Slimer. This one's got a Nicolas Cage Ghost Rider. This one's got a Casper. This one's got a Beetlejuice. Uh-oh. Ghost dad. Uh-oh. Oh, boy. Double. Double bad. That's above my pay grade. <laughs> I, you know, I did think um, I liked the, if they were going to have to choose, you know, a Warren story and yeah. case, I do think it's classy that they didn't go Amityville first, yes, but uh, that also that like, um, it does seem to try to make something of the fact that they're kind of, even though it's the hackiest thing, like, oh, the cop, you know, you and I aren't so the villain, you yeah. and I aren't so different, but like. Having the couple with a family sort of be like, what's going on with the Warrens? Like the, I even noticed like there was like an ADR when they're standing outside the meeting where on uh, Vera Farmiga's face you hear Lily Taylor go, "Come on, you have a daughter, don't you understand?" Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, not, oh, sorry. Go oh, oh, but um, so in terms of like they could have picked it. I'm glad they didn't pick like the sorority house, like having it be somewhat about like, oh, and the mom, Vera Farmiga's clairvoyant, and the mom is the one who gets possessed. That's interesting. The dads are kind of these like right brain dudes who like, when the moms are talking all clairvoyantly, they're like talking about like, the dad's like, they're talking about tools. He's like, I put these crucifixes up around in the room. This is, uh, this will keep this wall up real nice. <laughs> oh, what'd you use to hang that? <laughs> oh, two penny nail? Nice. And, uh, and then the, le- the other thing to that is I do like where they pick up the Warren story in this, that it is, I think I would have been bored by an origin story. Yeah. And I like that it's like, um, just even if he took the Warren stuff out of it, yeah. just like, Hey, we've been doing this as a career, but it's hurting you every time. God yeah. damn it. I'm not going to let you hurt yourself again. Like yeah, that's all good stuff too. One yeah. last. I, it's better than like, are these two going to like be able to come together to solve their first oh, case? I'm sure that's coming. Hey baby, sign me up to play Patrick Wilson's obvious double. And me, Vera Farmiga. <laughs> um, uh, Patrick but, Wilson is an actor where you're like, he is so handsome and made to exist on a camera and be an actor, yeah. a leading actor, that just him opening his mouth and being able to form consonants, people are like, oh, thank God. Okay, we can cast him at anything. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. As long as he can... And he never ages. He could play himself in a prequel. Yeah, for a, 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 a real kind of... Um, a guy like him can usually get pretty old pretty quickly. Yeah. The thing I learned, too, that was really funny in, in Conjuring 2 when all that ghost story was happening, the Warrens showed up uninvited and were told to leave. <laughs> and they didn't have anything to do with it. And I believe, oh, they I, got I could word. be wrong about this, but I think even in this story, eventually the dad said, like, you got to leave us alone. And the story ended with them being, I think, asked to leave. I could be wrong about Wouldn't that. Wouldn't that be great if... The way they got the wards off the set was the security guard came with like a crucifix. <laughs> They're like, ah! how do you get them off? How do we get these people, these unwanted presences, out oh, of our? I know they're the real haunting. Hey, well, can... just when you were talking about Ed Warren, you know, sort of like having some uh, 
it was abusive to his wife and had some, some manipulation. Some demons in his closet. Let's yeah, say. I did think like, oh, he has whatever that kind of power is to probably go into a house and just tell somebody like, yeah, yeah, there's a fucking ghost here, and right. you're like, oh. Hey, especially Dad. the more he gets a reputation of being yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Cause these guys, he lived until like 2006 and she lived until not too long ago. I think they were around a long ass time writing yeah. books. They never took money for their consultations to people's personal lives and houses, but they made a ton of money off books and she made Lorraine Warren made, I think like $150,000 on this movie for consultation or something like that. Um, yeah, the, uh, well, and did you know that, like, with, uh, no, this wouldn't be the case, but I guess, uh, you know, us being in the union after we die, our money goes somewhere still to our families. The residuals just don't end there. Oh, yeah, you have an estate. So I'm just thinking yeah. of, like, what a wonderful, like, the Warren kids. Well, there's there they do have a daughter, and when Lorraine Warren died, they closed that museum. And I don't know if Ooh. that's because I wonder what the daughter thinks of all this. The daughter has said publicly that the relationship with Ed and that younger mm -hmm. woman did not happen. Hmm. I mean, just in the interest of full reporting, but no, how, no. how much would she have been aware of it? Because this woman was also living in an apartment above the house that they built for her. And he would sometimes that spend the night there. That is such a haunting. I know. That is such a fucking, uh, it's crazy. the thing you, yeah. And, and I think part of the reason. I don't even mean it's like, you hypocrite. I just mean like, yeah. dude, it's, too, it's like, too on the nose. Step back and look it's, at what yeah, you're doing, too you weirdo. I think this woman <laughs> loved him and he loved her and didn't speak out against him except when she was asked to testify uh, um, sort of behind closed doors, I guess, because she still loves him, I think. Mm. I Her, the daughter? No, the, the, the young woman. Oh, oh, oh. Like, they, they well, thought they were the soulmates. Daughter. Yeah. It's Elizabeth yeah. Warren. <gasps> Oh my god, what? how did this never come out? Her parents were the, the Yeah. Oh my god. How Elizabeth they, they, Annabelle Warren? <gasps> Elizabeth Annabelle Warren. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting possessed. And her husband, Raggedy Andy? <laughs> I gotta pee. I gotta take a conjure pee. I will pee too. Okay. Hey, oh uh, um a conjugal <gasps> pee. Pee. We'll be back. With and Ryan. 
with glory and rest. And we're back. Now, Matt, yes. I would think maybe the thing people most would remember from this movie, and I think it's sort of the best invention in the movie, is that a little clap game that they do around the house. Oh, yeah. That's an invention of this movie? Oh, um, just uh, the applying it in oh, yeah. the movie. Yeah. Um, but you know what? I do? I've never... It could be an invention of the movie. Maybe have... Did you ever hear about it? No, I never played that. It's kind of like Marco Polo on land. Yeah. And it does seem dangerous, especially, you know, doing it on the second floor next to the stairs and stuff. Yeah, it's A bunch of kids running around. Um, but it is like, uh, I remember sitting in the theater and that being like such a, um, as it was unfolding, it felt like such a horror movie thing. It was so yeah, cool as it was happening. Good... I was like, uh, this is setting up such a cool sequence for later. All the stuff with the family, I think works really well. Yeah. I mean, those, uh, they're so, um, they're very likable and wholesome. I did think like we are in 2000. 13, we are in the Obama age of, mm. hey, we are better. <laughs> like, every, there's no Rob Zombie element to this. Like, every, this is like an extremely wholesome, all the characters are extremely wholesome. The real horror was yet to come. <laughs> the Warrens. <laughs> oh, no, no, yes. Yeah. I mean, that's like what's ironic about like your. <laughs> No Country for Old Men and stuff is all about, like, we have seen evil over these. Yeah. It's like, yes, but it's not done. Uh, but the, uh, uh, yeah, the, uh, but the, um, when the hands popped out at the closet, at the, the armoire or whatever. Yeah. When Lily Taylor's walking out, that got the biggest response in the theater oh really people like i remember like all yelled and it was a fun time and then when the sheet got blown off the clothesline and hit the person and went up that yeah. also got like a big reaction yeah too, that looked pretty good yeah yeah um but i think yeah the all that stuff with the family is good because i don't know yeah all likable actors yeah playing the good it is and lily taylor too being like uh you don't see her usually in that mode. She's usually like kind of angry or, right. or sullen or something. And so as soon as you see Lily Taylor be like upbeat, you're like, this ain't gonna, there's no way like this, like it reminded me of a little bit of that um, MGM acting school technique of if you're going to pick up a phone and it's going to have bad news, pick it up like you're going to get good news and vice versa. MGM, what do you mean? Uh, uh, like, Mike Nichols calls it oh. like the MGM acting school technique. Like okay. the, the actors who are only trained in Metro Golden oh, Mayor studio wow. lot. Like you do these little tricks just to get something fully across. You don't have like the ability of like Broadway or a theater. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, somebody go ring, ring. Oh, good God. What is it going to be? I won the lottery. <laughs> Wait, let you me know. try the other version. Yeah. Ring, ring. Um, ring, ring, the phone. Oh boy, I love a call. Hello, I what am dead? <laughs> Who are you, the devil? <coughs> so, yeah, Lily uh, Taylor was the equivalent of like 
that. Oh, a phone. Yeah. <laughs> just at the, I mean, she's great. It's just like, wow, this yeah. can only go bad. Uh, this is the second movie in a row where a, a hanging tree is central in the yard of the haunted house. Yeah. A big spooky tree outside the house. They a hanging built that tree. tree for this movie. Okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah the, um, uh, thing that I also know is that the same as sinister was like, they did the same thing of like a, um, steady ca- like when they're moving into the house on the first day oh, yeah. a steady cam like following furniture movers in and then looking around everybody getting in I was like I guess right. uh, if you're moving into a another house sh- in a scary movie shining. there's only really one way yeah. to yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, yeah it is different in The Shining that at no point is Rod and Livingston not a dedicated father it's different than right. Sinister in The Shining and I did think like oh Poltergeist makes the choice of which parents eyes or every haunted house with a family seems to be like, you have to make some sort of choice of like, who is the one you're like poltergeist. I feel like it is Joe Beth Williams over Craig T. Nelson. Yeah. And sinister obviously was more Ethan Hawke than, but this, I feel like you're supposed to even cause she's just more complex. You, you identify with Lily Taylor. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Ron Livingston isn't doing much in this movie. He's almost underplaying a little too much at times. Yeah, I mean, what is a God? Do we do it to ever see a like a big showy Ron Livingston performance would be amazing? But I, I mean, he's always like, yeah. I think Craig T. Nelson is so good in Poltergeist. I think because he's got the exact energy, vibe, and what I would imagine the same response as my dad would have in that situation. Just kind of a a tall, you know, not soft-spoken man. He is now, he's very soft-spoken now, but there's just something very commanding about him, but also friendly, you know, and and there's a light side to him. Yeah, Yeah. avuncular, but could get scary sometimes, you know? Yeah, yeah, complex, let's put it that way. Did you watch um, Coach? Mm-hmm. To get some more Craig T. Nelson fix, um, I've said it before. Dabney Coleman is actually more the embodiment of my dad, even though he was a little older than my dad, but not by much. Yeah, and they just looked so much alike. Uh-huh. And when my dad was in his most kind of distracted moods, that's when he was like Dabney Coleman. He was warmer than any Dabney Coleman character for sure. Yeah, you know? but then Cloak and Dagger must have rang a bell. It did. Yeah. It did. That's yeah. a movie we have yet to cover. And I say that because we have to at some point. Yeah. Well, hey, um, Richard Franklin did that. And he did uh, Psycho 2 mm, and yeah. Road Games. Right. Uh, we could just do a little fun That's not Franklin Avenue, we call it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the When it... The dog Sadie dies. Yeah, that was quick. Yeah, Sadie. Uh, usually, they let a dog let you fall in love with a dog. Step aside, Michael Myers. There's a new well, dog killing I, I game like, in town. What? Oh, really? Do you think Michael Myers is there, going around oh. chomping on it? Like, if they'd look closer, would they seem like a Michael Myers-sized bite mark? And do you think Michael Myers and Bathsheba had any interaction? Definitely. Ooh, a little bit of... What do you think of this backstory of the Bathsheba thing? Much like uh, the Catholic priest being, like, straight face, like, yes, we'll go and make sure we'll get this advice from the priest he knows best. It's the same as, like, the telling of the story. It's like, witches exist, and 
it is important to destroy them. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, that's another thing. I mean, you could get so meta with this because Ed and Lorraine Warren were such bullshit, but also there was, a, I think, is this Brantley's notes or what I was reading? I forget, but the story of Bathsheba and her death, I think is real and her child dying, but she had a few child children that died, but it was so long ago and they probably were killed by either disease or, or who knows what. And this was the time of the witch persecution. So that was another story that was probably absolute bullshit. And a, probably an innocent woman was killed or a mentally ill woman that was, you know, shouldn't have been around her children. Who knows? But yeah, certainly she wasn't a witch, but I love that you've got bullshit upon bullshit in this story. And look where it gets us people. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the thing that I um, is probably really happening because it's scary in real life. Uh, and we talked about it last week with the sinister, with the the night terrors and yeah. kids sleepwalking and stuff. Oh yeah. Um, oh. I don't know if I ever uh, shared this story once, but like um, I was in a a band in college, and it wasn't with. Any other band I've been with, it's like buddies before, and we start playing music together, and it's fun. Uh, this was like, they had a band, and they asked me mm. to sing, and we joined, and then we became buddies. And we were hanging out once uh, during like band practice, and it got brought up that one of the members who lived in the same dorm as me was dealing with like his roommate going around and saying... Um, Oh, so and so last night, like I woke up and he was just screaming at me yeah. in the middle of the room. And um, now, the person who did the screaming is the person before me. It, it, you know the story of the band. Like he's the person saying, "This guy's going around saying I like screamed at him, and he's getting the whole floor like thinking I'm a weirdo because he's telling people I screamed at him last night." And we're like, "Did you?" And he's like, "No." I'm like, well, that's a really weird rumor to start with somebody that he, you screamed at him and he's telling you that guy's fucking weird. And we were all like, fuck that guy going around spreading lies like that. So like a month later, I'm in like the psychology course with that band member, the guy who says, hey, people are spreading rumors about me. And he's, we're sitting next to each other because we know each other. The professor goes, there's also a thing known as night terrors, where a child will wake up and scream in the middle of the night. This guy leads over to me and goes, my dad says I do that. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, so you do. Oh, oh, my God. We killed that guy that told that story. We hung him on a tree. Now, these were guys who probably, you know, it was like a year and a half of hanging out with them. It's not a, a buddy who I'm still in contact with. But I really oh love him leaning over going like, yeah, my dad says I do that. Have I told this story where I was in the, my first year of college in a dorm room and my roommate Whoa. was a little troubled. <laughs> we were lying. With a capital T? Yeah. Okay. Right here in River City. <laughs> we were lying in our respective, you know, twin size, tiny dorm room. These were tiny dorm rooms and your beds are like separated by, mm -hmm. I don't know, six feet maybe. You're on either side of the room, and he was just talking about this story. He goes, yeah, I hate my parents. One night I got up in the kitchen, and I got a knife, and I went to kill them. And the only thing that stopped me was the reflection of the moonlight and the knife when I saw the demented look on my face and thought it was crazy. 
he wasn't joking. I mean, I don't know if the story was true, but he wasn't like joking around with me. That's like the goth version of this means pepper. <laughs> the glint of the blade. Only then did I see the reflection of my face. Oh my god, I love it so much. Uh, Do you know that guy? Did he end up being a no? We 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 lasted the year, and I never saw him again. What's crazy I interrupted was, by laughing. Did he say anything else? No, I just he fell asleep and I stayed awake all night, petrified. And yes. he he I somehow knew that like he liked me enough that he wasn't going to kill me. Thank yeah, God. Yeah, he'd see you like during the shooting and go like you're one of the good ones, Matt. Go. Go yeah. run. Yes. Oh god. <laughs> uh, uh I'm just publishing our vid bits. The uh um yeah, the the thing of um I was going to say with the Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, when they're going through the... When she's going around the house... Yeah. Did you notice there was like a... They played Sleepwalk? But it had words? What do you mean? You know that, like, or is it Sleepwalking or something? It's like that... Um, oh, the song? You know that? Oh, yeah. This one was like a person singing it. They were no. like, uh, well, yeah, I was like, sleepwalk. Dum, 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 sleepwalking. I was like, this is so much better without words. Yeah, that's probably why and it, they didn't do it. It seemed a little bit of a repeat of, in, do you remember, did you see an Insidious? I've not seen Insidious. There's a, kind of the creepiest part of Insidious is, uh, Tiptoe through the tulips by Tiny Tim ooh, starts playing, ooh. and it's like ooh, a scary kind of '60s song. It sounds a little spooky, and the woman's walking through the house trying to find the source of it and stuff. This sleepwalk, Lily Taylor, it felt a little bit of a freeze dried. Uh, Was it enough? Re- yeah, they're grabbing from a lot of yeah, places in this. Yeah, yeah, even their own. Yeah. <laughs> Um, a real De Palma on our hands here, huh? Hey, you know, uh, the, he's my guy. <laughs> uh, 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 now, the idea of exercising a house um, instead of a person, but that didn't really become true. Like, the mom did end up just getting possessed. Yeah. Um, I like some of the things that they were filling out like the um one of the paranormal researchers guys like flirting with the older daughter and stuff. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. <laughs> little details like that make a story fun. Would you let's let's take this situation for real and you're Ron Livingston's character uh-huh. and you've seen your mom, the mom, your wife, the mom go through all this and become that thing. Could you sleep next to that woman after this? Because you'd still be a little bit like, is there any residual amount left in there? Oh, yeah. I, well, when you were talking about being in a dorm room, I was thinking, like, this ghost sounds like a frat guy. Like, yeah. he yanks <laughs> on your leg while you're asleep and then farts. <laughs> 
She was like, stop licking. We can't get on my leg. Oh, it smells like rotting meat. Pulls a girl by the hair, which I love, by the way, that you can stop a ghost from doing that by cutting the hair. As if he doesn't go grab the other, just grab an arm, or you don't get in the way of the, when you're scissoring that. Yeah. Yeah. And also I love that that was like his big move. Yeah. Like finally when he's going to show people like, who gives a shit? I'm just going to like, I guess it's a her, right? It's a, it's the witch. Yeah, it's Bathsheba the witch. (laughs) Yes. Sorry. Witch Sheba the bath. But there was also a maid, or was Bathsheba the maid? I don't know. They kind of added more to the story. Yeah. Um, the I like some of the ideas, though, that like the reason you put a crucifix in all the houses kind of stir shit up. And then when he said the three claps, oh, they like to do that to mock the Holy Trinity. <laughs> Isn't that Sick just burn. such a funny lore <laughs> thing? burn. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, right, right. Like if a priest came out and did a sermon and at the end of it, you Actually, the Holy Ghost is cool with me. It's Jesus and God, and I think a couple fucking wags, man. He's back. (laughs) Um, Oh, if people like this, because it does get pretty poltergeisty. Then when there's like the expendable researcher, like getting scared around the house while the daughter disappears inside the wall and stuff. It was um, the, the James Wan did a really good movie uh, called Dead. Why am I blinking? It's about a um, Dead Silence. It's about a dummy, mm. Mm. and there's some wall shenanigans in that as well. Okay, so when I saw this, I was like, "Was this real? Did this is this in the real based on a true story, or does somebody just like?" Wall shenanigans. He loves wall nanigans. Wall nanigans Skywalker. Anag- wall nanigans Skywalker. Wall uh, nanigans wall walker. But Poltergeist is from uh, has been like loosely inspired by this Richard Matheson um, Twilight Zone episode that's really good. If people mm. want to get spooked, it's called Little Girl Lost. Ooh. And it's like a, a suburban family one day. Their daughter just goes and they can hear her voice inside the house. <gasps> oh, I remember that. Yeah. Oh, I don't remember much. I just, something hit a nerve when you said that. Yeah. I, the Twilight Zone that most scared me was the living doll one. The yeah. like, ta- ta- there was like an ta- outer, no, yeah, that's the talking Tino. There was an outer limits where it's like, oh, I talked about it last, maybe because Insidious or, or Sinister was so scary when I was, you know, because there's something about a Outer Limits where a kid became the doll. Ugh. I don't want to become a doll. I don't either. I, I am a doll. I know. I, I want to sit down and watch every Twilight Zone one day. I hope I get sick. That's uh, the only way it's going to happen. Yeah. Somebody give me COVID. Especially now that how they're like remastered. They're like gorgeous yeah. black and white. Like, yeah. They're really fun when they even they the Western ones. I'll even watch the Western ones. Remember when you like a marathon would be on and a Western yeah. one would come up and you'd be like, oh. <laughs> there's some that like with the longer ones that they're, they're not a half hour. And so oh, yeah, even even a 22 minute, 25 minute Twilight Zone episode yeah. could feel a little stretched. Yeah, because it's set up in punchline, yeah, set up in twist, and yeah. that's really yeah. And then there's some that were like filmed on video, oh, right. to, to be quicker and that. Yeah is like scary in its own way because it has like that weird like the kinescope, kinescope bleed. ghosty yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> kinescope bleed um 
But when she goes into that back wall, I felt like it was a little bit of also like some Temple Doom, Temple mm, of Doom oh, action yeah. of just like getting to go and find secret things. Right. But then there was jump scares in there, but I've noticed that maybe kind of a new scare a little bit. What's that? I think it's like, it's partly inspired by like Michael Myers's face slowly showing up behind Lori. Yeah. But it's like a Where's Waldo scare. Oh, yeah. It's like when she like They're goes back dead. up and then your eye like realizes somebody's back there the whole time. And Hereditary does that too. I wonder what the term what for think? that is. It feels different than a jump. It's like the opposite of a jump scare. So something's already there and then it changes or it slowly... It might have always been there and maybe like lighting oh, comes up yeah. to like reveal it a little oh, different, right. but it's yeah. more about like the shutter of like, oh, that's... The slow burn scare, yeah. the, the camouflage. I mean, the slow burn thing of all of this is like, I got to say my big ding against this movie, similar to like them trying to be like a DCU universe movie or whatever... Just that's uh, the complaint. Everybody, it's just in the last like since the mid '90s, the like idea that longer means better, longer that. means more, and long. means better. It's you just can guys cut out all the this did not, oh extra like textual stuff. One hour and fifty minutes, guys. This could be an amazing like eighty-eight yeah, minute like thrillathon. Yes, yeah, <laughs> like it could be so cool. But like, there's so many times when somebody's just poking around inside a house. I and, know it yeah. loves itself a little bit much. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I wonder when that choice is made. Do filmmakers think people will feel ripped off if a movie? Mm, I. <sighs> Hmm, good question. I don't know. And nowadays it's in vogue to have your movie be two and a half to three hours long, which is just twisted. Yeah. Unless it's great, you know. No, but, but yeah. I've, I haven't seen a three and a half, three hour movie that has been worth the three hours. Well, and then also is it lately. giving in consideration that you are watching it at home? And so it's like, yeah. well, who cares if it's long? But then sometimes I think a movie that is released in theaters goes longer than it should because it is like a because you can't get up and go into the kitchen right now so now we're making this part of the experience how you can't like stop this yeah so the slow burn is part of it or something but I guess I mean how long is The Exorcist? I bet it's because that is slow as hell well and also in a good way yeah no The Shining too. Uh, and also, I was thinking the um, uh, Poltergeist is probably Exorcist is two hours and twelve minutes. Okay, yeah, and it, I think it feels it, but it yeah. feels good. It feels well. That stuff all feels like um, more reality. Getting like the longer she's getting tested in the yeah. hospital and stuff, the more it, the demon stuff feels scary later. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, any other none for me. Final thoughts. Want to do a best kill? Uh, are there? Oh, I did think it, it's funny that um, this was like two years before The Exorcist. Like this happened, so the family has like no ability to like really talk oh. about. Like if this had come right. out, like if this had happened in this family in 1975. Oh right, they'd be like, just like The Exorcist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you ever have any exorcism stuff to touch your life or 
There's a girl in Iowa in the 20s who I think like is one of the last reported. Oh, and really? we went to like the farm once and drove to it and looked at the barn oh, where she lived and no, stuff like we, that. Ours was so far removed, like the Bloody Mary and the mirror stuff. Yeah. Was the, or like light as a feather, stiff as a board. Well, in California too, at the time, you had like real deal scary yeah, stuff. You had like Mansons and yeah, or uh, you had the Hillside Stragglers and stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. Who needs it? We like our uh, scary people real. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think, is Bathsheba the only death in this thing? Or Sadie, the dog? <sighs> so what are you choosing? I'm going Bathsheba, you creep. Yeah, I'll, I'll go, well, oh, I meant most effective. Like, oh, yeah. Best kill, but no, Bathsheba. Okay. R.I.P. Bathsheba. No, yeah. no R.I.P. We hardly knew you. Well, I mean, who knows? Let's see what we got as terms of xenomorphs to read. We read. Oh, yeah. oh we've only got two. All right. Because we caught up. Um, oh. Uh, hello. This person would like their name read by Paige, which stands for Podcast Artificial Intelligence Uh Generic interface. I can't remember what it stands for, but the name is Eric Studsy. I love Paige. I haven't heard her in a long time. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, this is just, let's shout out Nick Shively, Nick Shively and his partner, Amanda. Hey, all right. My partner's named Amanda. Oh, well. How dare you? Small Amanda? Small world. Samantha? Um, all right, so let's, <laughs> let's rate this movie. <laughs> On a scale of one to um, We gave the thing. I gave it a 12, you gave it a 13. I gave the hand an 11, you gave it a 7.5. Um, Suspiria, I gave an 11, you gave it a 12. The Strangers, we each gave a 10. Seven, we each gave a 13. Paul? What you given the conjuring? Well, what do we do for a uh, sinister? Oh, sorry. Right. I gave it a nine. You gave it an 8.5. Okay. Um. Hmm. I'll say an eight. Eight for Paul. I'll give it a seven. I was close to seven. Yeah? Yeah. Because I was debating if I... Liked it a little less, same or more than the hand. I definitely liked, as evidenced by my sort of like disproportionately high hand score of eleven. I definitely liked <laughs> one the more hand than better. two hands. I know. Did we say that on a scale of one yeah. to ten fingers? Eleven, it's 11. fingers. Yeah. Uh, well, and then mentioning the hand reminded me uh, again the illustrations. I don't know if we mentioned the book, but Jim Miller sent us this amazing book, Rental Classics Volume Two. Uh, more drawings of film cast 1968 to 1997, and a lot of your beloved faves of movies and TV shows rendered in a style that is just as cozy. Thank you yeah. so much. And we'll be back next week with our final episode of the season, The Vanishing from 1988, the original Dutch, I believe, or Danish Dutch. Yeah. It just made me realize, though, The Vanishing, it's like, that's what... The end of this run feels like it vanished until everything sparkles to life again with The Shining after <laughs> a short break. But you know, the free people, the listeners, they have to take the break mandatory 
if you're a Patreon subscriber, there's all kinds of content on there and continuing content. Mm-hmm. There's every month we have a mailbag and every month we have a special, mm-hmm. some kind of episode, if not more. Yeah. So check it out and uh, we'll, we'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye-bye. For more Gorley and Rust content, head over to patreon.com slash with Gorley and Rust to get episodes ad-free and a whole week early. Plus, monthly mailbag episodes and feature-length watch-along film commentaries of your favorite horror classics. That's patreon.com slash with Gorley and Rust. Email us at withgorleyandrust at gmail.com and your questions might be featured on a future mailbag episode. With Gorley and Rust theme song by me, Matt Gorley, and performed by Townland. You can find us on Instagram as Townland Band, as well as Paul's fantastic band at Don't Stop or We'll Die. And why not rate and review with Gorley and Rust on Apple Podcasts? It'll help us grow the show and keep us trucking through the Jasons and the Michaels, the Leatherfaces and the Chuckies, the Aliens and the Candymans. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.